This is The Gathering Church in Windsor, Ontario, and I'm Pastor Garth Lino. Welcome to our podcast. In a book on leadership called Impact, the author says that leaders rarely fail because of a lack of competence. Competence is necessary, he writes, but it's not sufficient, it's not enough for one to become a great leader. We must also have a strong core. Now, he's using the word core to describe character. So, leaders need to have a strong character. They they need to pay attention to their core character. Well, the word core is something that I often hear at my gym also. We, we exercise to strengthen the core muscles, referring to the, all the muscles of the midsection. As, as you can tell, I'm, I'm doing a great job at that. <laughs> These muscles, the core muscles, the midsection muscles, stabilize the entire body. They're, they're, they're prime contributors to, to strength and, and coordinated movement. So athletes need to pay attention to their core muscle development. But the word core also comes into play when we talk about the church on fire in the book of Acts. And hopefully the church on fire in Windsor, Essex as well. Leaders are successful when they pay attention to the core character qualities. Athletes are successful when they pay attention to core muscle development. And churches are successful when they pay attention to the core gospel message. Every failing leader... And every failing athlete and every failing church has, a, has something in common. The core is malfunctioning. The core is weak or broken in some significant way. And that's where the failure comes. But my discovery, especially in the last few years, is that when authentic, real, genuine gospel ministry is the heart... When, when authentic gospel ministry is the center, the core of the church, the church is pleasing to God. God smiles with favor on a church that is committed to authentic gospel ministry. If you believe it, say amen. amen. And this is really what we see unfolding in the book of Acts in chapter 5, beginning with verse 12. I just read those verses. But this is where we see that authentic gospel ministry enriches the church. It enriches the church. Verse 12. Many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. They were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, I love that phrase, more than ever, believers were added to the Lord Multitudes of both men and women, so that even carry, they, they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. They were desperate. Huh? Oh, if, if only his shadow. Maybe, maybe God would... Maybe if, if... You think he might? The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem. They were coming in from the county bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all helped. No, they were healed. 
Now, you may recall in our study so far in Acts chapter 4, Acts chapter 4 is where we, we, we saw the very first persecution break out against this early church. Peter and John were thrown into prison overnight. But that only, that only strengthened the rest of the believers, and so they began to pray for boldness. Remember that? Please say you remember. Okay, because it's not that long ago. We're in chapter 5. That was only chapter 4. So you remember, right? Okay. No, you don't. <laughs> but see, the whole thing backfired on the Jewish religious officials. whole thing backfired. Why? Because a great many people put their faith in Jesus. They thought, you know, Peter and John in prison, shut them up, and, and we'll contain this thing. You can't contain it if it's of God. And, and it backfired on them. And then toward the end of chapter 4, they pray again for boldness, those crazy people. Uh, Acts 4.29 says, Now, Lord, they're praying, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Wow. Were they ever bold in their prayers? They cried out for boldness in their witness. They cried out for for God's hand to be stretched forth in healing. And, and, and they, they cried out for God to perform signs and wonders. It occurs to me that they weren't just open to signs and wonders. They, weren't, they were not just receptive to signs and wonders. They were not just warm to the idea or the possibility that maybe God will break in with signs and wonders. No, they were desperate for them. They cried out, they called out to God. Oh God, show your supernatural power and strength in our midst. And you know that the needs of the world today are so great. And the experience of the church today is so weak that we ought to pray for the very thing they prayed for. We should pray, I believe, we should pray that God will supernaturally stretch forth his hand to heal and do miracles and signs and wonders for the glory of God. And why am I convinced of that? Not just for the spiritual buzz that we'll get when we see a sign or wonder or miracle happen. You know, in some circles, that's, that's what it's all about. You know, oh God, do something in our church this morning so that people get buzzed. And they come back next week and leave a big offering. That is not what this is about. Look at verses 13 and 14. Why is it important for us to see this connection? Well, look at verse 13. None of the rest of them dared. These people were gathered together in Solomon's portico. That was the place where they were meeting and talking and sharing the gospel. But the rest of them did not dare join them. They held, the people held them in high esteem, however. And more than ever... Believers were added to the Lord more than ever what? More than the the 3,000 that that came on the day of Pentecost. More than the 5,000 later on. More than ever. Hundreds of thousands of people were being added to the Lord. Multitudes, it says. The word multitudes of men and women. So first of all, the people of Jerusalem are standing in awe of the apostles and the church. Ananias and Sapphira had died. Just like that. Gone. Signs and wonders were being done. People were being held in in high esteem and high honor. Who wouldn't be in awe of that? Who wouldn't be in awe of that? But that's not all. In the midst of all this fear and amazement and wonder, many were coming to faith in Jesus. Verse 14, And more than ever, 
believers were added to the Lord. Praise God. We need to see this connection, though. We need to see the relationship between signs and wonders and people coming to faith. And I challenge you to go through the New Testament and look at all the incidents, all the the situations where signs and wonders are performed. You will see people responding and coming to faith in Jesus. The number one reason for signs and wonders and miracles in the New Testament is the authentication of the gospel of Jesus Christ. When people see God's power at work, they say, I'm undone. I give my life to Jesus. I don't want to be on the other side of the judgment when judgment day comes. They see the power of God, and it results in salvation, not just some sort of spiritual high. We need to see the connection. But as far as I can tell, and I haven't been to every country in the world, I haven't seen every situation, but as far as I can tell, God is still using miracles throughout the world today. To confirm the truthfulness of the gospel. To bring help to those in need. To remove hindrances in ministry. And fourthly, to bring glory to God. Not necessarily in that order. But I do believe that God is still at work. Doing signs and wonders and performing miracles. And perhaps the greatest miracle of all is the salvation that he gives to us by grace through faith. And we're going to hear more about that this morning as we baptize three people. But perhaps what we need today is a real genuine outpouring, a supernatural outpouring, a supernatural display of the glory of God to compel people to to see and to, to listen and to respond to the gospel of God. Maybe that's what we need. And I hope that we'd be more than just open to it. Why? Because authentic gospel ministry enriches the church. I mean, look around. Four years ago, we started as a Bible study in my living room. God's been doing something. As we give ourselves to authentic gospel ministry, the church is enriched. Do you believe that? What we also see, that authentic gospel ministry enrages the prideful. Multitudes of people were coming to faith in Jesus. But look what happens in verse 17. The high priest rose up. The Jewish high priest rose up in opposition to all these people who were coming to faith in Jesus. And all who were with him rose up. That is the party of the Sadducees. And filled with jealousy, (laughs) they arrested the apostles and put them in public prison. We find this kind of opposition to the gospel of Jesus Christ in every age and in every culture. Here in Acts 5.17, it's jealousy that is causing all the problems. Jealousy. They, they were filled with jealousy. More than ever, believers were added to the Lord. And that just had to be hard on these Jewish religious leaders. More than ever. I mean, hundreds of 
Maybe even thousands of people were leaving the Old Testament sacrifices. They were leaving the temple worship, and they were going over to the Jesus side. They stopped worshiping on, on, on Saturday, and they started worshiping Jesus on Sunday. That had to be hard for the religious leaders. Their main focus now was to, 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 to worship Jesus. And that made these Jews jealous. They were angry. They arrested the apostles and put them in prison. But now look what happens. Verse 19. And I don't think this will be on the screen, so you should be looking in your Bible or just listen. Acts 5.19. During the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go, stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. And life is capitalized here, speaking about the life of Jesus. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. Now when the high priest came and those who were with him, they called together the council, all the senate of the people of Israel, and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came, they did not find them in the prison. So they returned and reported, well, we found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the doors, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now when the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these words, they were greatly perplexed, I guess, uh, about these words. They were greatly perplexed about them and wondering what this would come to. And someone came and told them, Look, the men who you put in prison are standing in the temple and they're teaching the people. Then the captain with the officers went and brought them, but not by force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charge you not to teach in this name, yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and You intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. So what do the apostles do? You know, they, they, they just keep preaching the gospel. They're, they're, they're meeting all kinds of opposition, but they just keep on preaching the gospel. Again, they, they preach the gospel. They talk about Jesus again. They talk about his life, and they talk about his death and his resurrection again. They talk about uh, repentance again, and they talk about the forgiveness of sins again. They just keep on preaching the good news of Jesus In spite of the opposition, in spite of the problem, what happens next? Verse 33, and when they, the Jews, heard this, they were enraged. English Standard Version. They were enraged and wanted to kill them. They wanted to kill them for telling the truth and preaching the gospel. Why? Because, simply because authentic, genuine Gospel ministry often enrages arrogant, self-righteous religious people. Have you noticed that? I have a, a friend now who was a, who was a professor in my seminary years ago. He grew up in the 50s in Quebec. Quebec in the 50s was like 99.9% Catholic. Before Vatican II and before the changes that took place in, in Quebec. And my friend's father was a, was a Baptist preacher. 
And he would stand on the street corners and he would go from town to town and preach the gospel and stand on the street corners and proclaim Jesus Christ is Lord. You can have a personal relationship with the living God if you come to faith in Jesus Christ. And more than once, Don Carson said, my dad was stoned. And the leader of the pack was the local Catholic priest who was pushing them out of town. Get out of here. Get out of here. They were enraged and wanted to kill him. The devil loves to inspire people to oppose authentic gospel ministry. However, Acts chapter 5 ends on a very high note because it's, it's very clear from the, the closing verses uh, that authentic gospel ministry also energizes the leaders. So while the middle part of the chapter is a little, ooh, a little difficult, there's opposition, it the, 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 the ministry, the gospel ministry, often enrages self-important, big-headed religious leaders who get upset. I, I mean, I remember when we first started our church, there were a couple of pastors in the city that urged their people not to attend and not to visit the gathering. Don't go there. But just like Acts chapter 5 ends on a high note, so have we. Authentic gospel ministry energizes the leaders. The apostles had been arrested for preaching and teaching about Jesus. We've seen that. The proud religious leaders were enraged and wanted to kill them. We've seen that. And because one of the wise advice they received from one of their own, they called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Bad decision. You let these apostles go, they're just going to keep on preaching the gospel. What do they do? Verse 41 They left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. Two things happen. They rejoice because they're counted worthy to suffer dishonor in the name of Jesus. Second, they just keep right on preaching the gospel. Nothing could stop them. Nothing could stop them because gospel ministry done in the power of the Spirit brings a crazy sense of joy and energy to your life. They couldn't stop them because gospel ministry done in the power of the Spirit brings a crazy sense of joy and energy to your life. And nothing holds you back. Following the Sunday worship service on January 8th, 2006, five young men accosted and beat a church leader and threatened to kill him in Turkey's fourth largest city. Camille had just left church that morning when he was ambushed and beaten so severely that he lost consciousness twice. They were trying to force me to deny Jesus, Camille said. But each time they asked me to deny Jesus and become a Muslim, I was saying, Jesus is Lord. And the more I said, Jesus is Lord, the more they beat me. One of the attackers pulled out a long butcher knife and threatened to slit his throat if he didn't renounce his faith and return to Islam. Camille refused. And after the incident, he said, I am rejoicing in God. Not because he saved me, but because he has helped me not to deny him in the shadow of death. Oh, 
He was energized by the gospel of God. So we've seen this morning that authentic gospel ministry enriches the church. It can and sometimes does enrage the proud. But it also energizes the leaders. So if the gospel of Jesus Christ is really at the center of all that we do here at the gathering, and if the gospel of Jesus Christ really is at the heart of your marriage, and if the gospel of Jesus Christ is at the center of your life, then it will energize you. It will energize our church. It will energize marriages. It will, it will be the joy and sustenance of our lives, the gospel of God. If authentic gospel ministry continues to be our passion here, we will see many more people come to faith in Jesus Christ. We will see many more people baptized, like the people who are going to be baptized this morning. And if authentic gospel ministry continues to be our passion, we will see many more discipled, and we will see many more uh, sent out in His name, and we will see many more churches planted to the glory of God. I believe it with all my heart. But the gospel needs to be at the core. So, my dear gathering family, my brothers and sisters, Hebrews 12.3, Consider Jesus, who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Let's make sure the gospel of God stays at the core. Let's pray. That's our heart's desire, Lord Jesus. That's our heart's desire. That you would be exalted and lifted up in our midst. That men and women and boys and girls would be drawn to faith in Jesus. And that we might see the power of God displayed with the result being salvation of souls in Windsor, Essex. That's our heart's desire and our passion in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.